Welcome to the Living Loved Life Podcast. I'm Drew Jarrett along with the Holy Spirit and Pastor Jim Richter, and today we are talking about peace in the mess, how Easter doesn't end. You are welcome to join us today as we discuss living loved as sons and daughters of God the Father and sisters and brothers of His Son Jesus. In our conversations, we never know where the Holy Spirit might want to lead us as we struggle together while we discover what it means to live loved by God. Here, and at livinglove.life. You are welcome to walk with us and discover as we do what the Spirit may want to show us, maybe for the first time. You sound like you're traveling. I am. Okay. I, I am. I can, uh, I can take it off my hands free and put it on my phone and see if that helps. Let me try. Okay. Uh, okay. Does that help at all? Just a second. Okay, there we go. There you are. Yeah, it sounds all right. It's raining pretty hard here, too. We're in the middle of a storm, so you're probably hearing that. Oh, yeah. Um, I can't hear it at all. Oh, okay. <laughs> I was trying, but... Yeah, well, how are you, brother? What's going on in other than storms? Well, I am kind of... Getting excited. I don't know if it's the same kind of feeling that I felt when I was felt like I was presented with an opportunity to start recording and move into the whole recording studio phase of my career. But I, you know, we're getting near to the end of these whatever seven songs or ten songs I'm doing, whatever they are. And um, we were talking to the producer and we were saying, well, what's next? You know, like we don't really know what to do from here do you know of any you know marketing or whatever and he goes well you're doing all the right things he says you've written the song uh you got good songs and then you you went to a producer and got them you know made into you know better songs and then uh, so the next step would be marketing and um he gave me a couple resources for that so i've been looking into that and um you know he's like for you know a couple of hundred bucks or whatever you know you try to get into doing the next step it's like this is the next step you know and because i don't yeah. really know what it is and um i could probably do it myself but i felt like i kind of have done it myself with um the single that we just released and you know i didn't get too much traction from it so i you know i i don't know what else to do besides that so i think i need help in that area so he recommended some places and i checked them out um i found one that might be kind of interesting I sent you a link about that, but I'm getting kind of this excited feeling like, well, maybe this is the next step. And maybe if they can promote me and I can pay them to do that, then, um, you know, they'll, they can put me in, in the music and the songs that God wants to tell things through to people and yeah. have them hear him. Then, uh, maybe that's the next step. And I don't, you know, all I got to do is pay money for that. So while I have money left in the account to <laughs> do this, the project, I think I better move forward with that. So I'm kind of like on the verge of maybe, you know, asking God here, like, you know, do you really want me to start my music career when I'm 48 years old? <laughs> right, right. <laughs> and, uh, you know, what it, what is it going to be like? And so I've kind of been trying to, um, even today, I've been starting to, you know, I thought to myself... Man, am I going to like going to hotels every night and, you know, staying there alone and, and, uh, 
you know, traveling alone. And I'm like, you know what? I bet I'd really like that. <laughs> and uh, uh, most people would probably hate it, but I don't think I'd mind it. And I'm I'm trying to get into a regimen. So I, like last night, I was thinking like um, I would uh, probably get up every morning and have breakfast. And then I'd go into the workout room at the hotel and, you know, lift weights for an hour or something before I get in the car and go on the road to the next stop, you know, and, uh, I think that would be a, that would be a good routine for me to get into. And and maybe what I should do is, um, try to begin that routine at home. Like maybe look at my home as a, as a hotel. So I did that like this morning, I like got out of bed and I had breakfast and I started working out. <laughs> That's great. And I'm trying to get, get into the habit so that if God wants me to go into this, I'll, I've already been doing it, you know, and then later on, I'll, you know, I'll practice my songs or whatever every, every night, like I'm going to do a show every night. So you can probably tell I'm pretty chattery because I think I'm sensing this like excitement. Maybe, maybe will happen. I, I don't know if it will. I don't know what God w- wants, but I'm just trying to do my little part and then see where he takes it. Yeah. Yeah, 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 for sure. So, will this be an agent who like books churches for you or venues for you or how will this work? Well, it's not a I don't know. That's what I have to learn. I don't think so. I don't think it's a manager. I don't think it's an agent. It's just a publicist. Okay. So So you you still have to do your own booking and I think so. Yeah. Yeah, that's cool. That's cool. Yeah. Uh, so then the publicist gets the word out, and then you would, people would call you, and you'd go and do a, a concert or whatever? Maybe. I, I think it's more digital. Like, you know, they would take my song and they'd submit it to, you know, Apple iTunes and Spotify and all the digital places and get it they they'd get it on playlists so it would start appearing and streaming music and people would start hearing it and they they might help me design a web page and they might help me uh post, you know, on social media, they might take over my social media posting so that, you know, I don't even know what they call it. Announcements yeah. go out, you know, daily or weekly yeah. or whatever, you know, they would take care of all that. Yeah. No, I think that's amazing. I think that's cool. That's, that's awesome. Yeah. And I think, you know, everything's changed so much because of the digital world. That's the way to do it. You know, it used to be we'd puddle jump from here to there and go, you know, play for this church or that church and gradually hopefully gain some traction but no it's it's very different than that yeah. do you remember at the radio station i know you worked at that christian music station in uh, blue earth yeah and uh, they would get regularly from i, mean, I don't you know recording studios new music right yeah that they were they could play free on their radio programs. Yeah. Well, that that was yesteryear. <laughs> yeah, I wonder. I don't think people hear new songs on radio anymore. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, but I know it's a thing. It's very micro, like taste and preference. Yeah. My kids, you know, every once in a while they'll have 
similar things they listen to, but they're very eclectic. Like their their playlists are full of very very different music. Caleb listens to very different music than his wife Noelle. Ryan and Carly listen to very different music than the other kids, um, and they both listen to their own unique stuff as well. You know, they all they all listen to their own stuff. Sarah and I always just like, yeah, we just turn the radio on. <laughs> <laughs> that's very different than our kids do it. Very. Well, and that's one of the things I think I read in some of the publicity material about the company I'm looking investigating and they said that they would submit your songs to playlists or aggregators of playlists. So there must be people at iTunes or people at Spotify who manage playlists it's not just you get your song on itunes or on spotify you have to get it on a certain kind of playlist like a mood playlist like these people are they have like a melancholy playlist or a christian contemporary quiet peaceful playlist or they have a hard rock christian i mean it's so niche uh it's weird but i think that's the new that's the new norm and you got to get your song on as many playlists as possible. Radio stations used to be one playlist. We're all going to play rock or we're all going to play country, but now it's even more specialized. Yeah. And, and yours has always been, I think like easy listening, Christian contemporary. And you have this little, it's, it's a little, which I think is probably pretty popular among some this little flair of kind of a country sound to it yours is very unique like i i can see if if now you can get it out to that niche yeah like people would love it yeah so yeah yeah, so that's kind of what's going on um i don't know when i'll when i'll start that but um i i want to do some more looking into it and i've only like looked at like four companies so far but yeah, I don't, I don't know what I'm doing, but it's kind of like I felt, I felt the same way when I stepped into investigating recording studios and um, going to tour one. I didn't know what I was doing either, so I thought, oh, this is might be the right track then. Yeah, yeah, and and let them tell me what to do, and just practicing surrender and do what they tell me. <laughs> yeah, that's awesome. Yes. Yeah, exactly. They, they're they the supposed to be marketing professionals, right? So, yeah. And then this weekend, I said in the email that I'm going on a vacation. I'm not. It's a working vacation. Um, we're going to go up to a store in the cities that sells computer parts. And oh. um, so the boys all have laptops. We bought them laptop computers for, for doing their schooling on Yeah. Uh, about, I don't know, eight years ago. And so they've been working on those. And, you know, it's, it's kind of growing out of date. And they're kind of slow. And, you know, one of the things that we do as a family is we'll play video games together. Yeah. All five of us will log into a game and we'll play a video game together. And their their computers are kind of um, almost at the edge of not being able to handle some of those things now. And so we can't spend time together as a family. And so, you know, we don't upgrade our computers, but maybe, you know, every 10 or 15 years 
And it's, it's getting to that point. And so what we decided to do is instead of buying a computer for each one of the kids just off the shelf, we kind of said, well, let's build them instead. <laughs> oh, cool. So we had each one of the kids investigate it and pick out parts. And um, we've been purchasing parts over the last few weeks. And we've got to go up to the Twin Cities to pick up the last few parts and then when we, you know, come back, they're they're able to actually, you know, get the case and get the motherboard and get the memory and screw it all together and plug it all in. And they're, we're going to have them build it themselves. So we're going to go finish. We're going to finish that project this weekend. Yeah, um, so we're going to, yeah, we're going to get a hotel and, you know, kind of make a, you know, a mini little getaway out of it. And that is really cool. That is really fun. Oh. I I love that you're doing that. That is so cool, and not not what everybody can do. I would have no clue what to do related to that. But that is a great thing to teach your boys. That's fun. Yeah, that's so cool. Yeah, we I haven't even seen that email yet because we just got back yesterday from four days off. So we flew out to my brother's in um, Charlotte, North Carolina. And enjoyed some time with him. Fun. Did you have good weather out there? You know, it, it was okay. <laughs> it wasn't. <laughs> it wasn't great. It was. Uh, I think each day got up to about sixty, maybe sixty-five, and then yesterday we got up to seventy-one. Mm -hmm. And that, it was. It was nice, but still chilly. Now we're back in Michigan, way up north here, and. Tomorrow, it's supposed to be like in the 80s. <laughs> yeah. It's so weird in the spring here in Michigan. I think it hasn't been above, you know, 50 or 60 here all the while we were gone. It actually snowed the first day we were gone, which made us feel good because we were in 60 degree. But now tomorrow, it's going to be 80 and we're back here. So weird. Yeah. Yeah, I think you guys get uh, we our weather a day after we get it. Last night it was nice, seventy seventy five degrees and just calm, sunny. Boy, it was real, real nice and warm. Yeah, so you're gonna get that tomorrow. Yeah, and then the day after you'll get our rain. So yeah, it's coming. Exactly. That's what. That's actually what the forecast is. So that's funny. Yeah. Um. So yeah. You, are you all? Uh, I don't want to use the word relieved that Easter's over, but uh, you do you feel accomplished that, you know, Good Friday and Easter and, you know, everything's going and then and hopeful and now you've got this new project of maybe going into a, a new facility and then maybe starting a, a, a new project in the community and what's going on with all that? Yeah. Well, you know, I, I think, like, it's... I am so excited about Easter and we made it through, but um, like you referenced in that question, um, the Lord answered a prayer of our churches for a permanent space, but also being restored back to the location where we started and that whole answered prayer is just grace upon grace to us. And just a quick replay of that story. You know, we, I was called here to help a church that 
had experienced a lot of decline, Mount Olive Lutheran Church in Walker, Michigan. And the plan for helping them was actually what we call replant. So in essence, you start a new church and the aging church becomes part of the new church and part of the new culture um, under new leadership, serving together in Jesus' mission, um, seeking to you know, reach a very a culture that is changing rapidly. Um, we're moving from churched culture to unchurched culture or de-churched culture very quickly. Uh, a majority of people now, uh, um, not a majority, but uh, in terms of statistically, you've got about between 35 and 40 percent who would identify themselves as active Christian. And you got 35, roughly, percent or to 40 identifying themselves as nuns. Nuns means doesn't mean they don't have faith. They might have some faith, but they're not actively connected with any church or, you know, any religion, really, synagogue or or mosque. So, and obviously there's other, you know, Hindu and all that too, but they don't identify as anything. So our culture has changed rapidly. So kind of a to reach that and communicate in the language of today, new churches are popping up everywhere, and the Vine Church was one of them. Our hope was to work together um, with Mount Olive, but that didn't work out. They had a different philosophy about how things should be done and really didn't like the plan they had kind of worked out before I was called here with our um, denominational leaders. And so um, our denominational leaders, for the sake of peace, said, okay, let them go this way and you go this way and keep doing the mission. And uh, we loved each other, parted in peace, um, still love each other. But now Mount Olive has um, <clears throat> decided to sell their facility. I'm not sure what they'll do as a entity, but our actually denomination picked up the facility and now they want to sell or rent to the vine, which is where we started. So, and through this process, we prayed that somehow we'd be restored to this um, kind of central place for the mission to happen. The facility is not the mission, but it's it's central to where we're serving this community in Jesus' name. And so... Um, you know, the Lord brought that facility back to us. This is like a crazy miracle, like kind of if you were told, you know, we kept praying for it. But I don't know if you've ever prayed for something that you would say, like, well, God, I know you can make this happen. But in, you know, it, practically, you're like, this ain't never going to happen. <laughs> <laughs> I mean. It's horrible to say, um, and, um, oh, Lord, I do believe, you know, forgive my unbelief, but that was, and the Lord did this, and it is a miracle to us. So all that is a setup for a little message here, and and that's, it's really the Easter message, and it's a, it's a cycle that happens over and over in our lives, you know, it's... 
I listened to a message by Stephen Furtick of Elevation Church, and his Easter message was called Life After the Letdown. Life After the Letdown. And, you know, he talked about how the disciples were let down, right? They felt let down when the one that they felt was King of Kings and Lord of Lords, Jesus. And not only that, they, they believed he's the son of God. He's doing all these crazy miracles, raising people from the dead, multiplying fish and loaves, feeding thousands with a few fish and loaves, healing anybody, everybody. He can do anything, right? But he goes to the cross, willingly dies. And um, Jesus is telling them what all of this means. You know, he came not to be served, but to serve and give his life as a ransom for many, a payment for sinners. We were sold as slaves to sin. And because of sin, certain death physically, not just physically, eternally, and as a slave of sin, Satan owned us. And we were part of his eternal kingdom of death and destruction. And Jesus redeemed us from that. He dies for our sins. But the disciples didn't understand all that. And then Jesus rose from the dead. That's great. That's great. But they still didn't quite get it. And I think we're that way, too, as we are living in this Easter time. There's life after the letdown. Like, there's still things going on. The disciples still had to deal with angry Jewish leaders who wanted them dead and wanted the movement stopped. They still had this part of their life that was, like, hurting, had all kinds of questions about it. There's confusion. How is this ever going to happen? Jesus, we know you're alive, but what does that mean for me practically today as I try and live? And, you know, it's interesting. So this Pastor Furtick, he, he, he talked about the story of Jesus in John 21 showing up the third time to Peter. So, And uh, it's actually at least three, but Pete, Jesus shows up to Peter Somehow, during the first Sunday, he rose from the dead. And then the disciples in Luke 24, the two disciples Jesus appears to on the road to Emmaus, come back to the disciples in the upper room. And they tell the disciples how they saw Jesus. And the other disciples say, hey, Jesus appeared here too to, to, to the women and to Peter. So there's another appearance to Peter. And then Jesus shows up in the room with them, another appearance to Peter. That's at least two um, right there. And uh, then a, then a, um, in John 21, the disciples are back out fishing. And so what's going on? Well, Jesus had died for the sins of the world. Peter's processing that. Jesus had risen in victory. Jesus is... Okay, he has victory, but I still got to feed my family, make a living, and keep safe from the Jews. So he's back in Galilee, and Jesus shows up and says, you know, again, they fished all night. If you read that, 
they haven't caught anything. The man on the shore, which is Jesus, but you know, whether it's because it's morning and the mist of the fog is there or whatever, they don't recognize him immediately. He says, throw down your nets. They catch 153 fish. And he, you know, Peter drags the man. <laughs> he swims to the Lord first, then he goes and helps the disciples drag in the nets. And, uh, and that's where Jesus says, you know, um, if you love me, Peter, feed my sheep, not just these fish. You gotta, you gotta feed my sheep. And of course, Jesus does that three times, whatever. There's a lot to that, but life after the letdown is all about that. Life has a lot of letdowns. And our risen Savior doesn't give up on us when we don't get it. He shows up again and again and gives us purpose. And um, and I think that's that's where we're at, Drew. You asked, like, are you excited? Yeah, because we just had Easter. But life goes on after Easter. And we're still in the process of celebrating what Jesus has done, but still trying to figure out what life looks like. Because, you know, if you, every time you step into a new day, there's probably going to be a letdown. Somebody, some person's going to let you down. The world around you is just, it's falling apart. That's a letdown. Somebody at work's going to let you down. But there's still life. You know, Jesus shows up and he gives us purpose because he's risen and he's alive. And that's the point. It's not just Jesus rose from the dead and you don't have to worry about dying now. You're going to live forever. Jesus rose from the dead and he is with us and there's life in him. And and figuring that out on a day-to-day basis is not an easy thing. But if we sit and listen to Jesus, he'll, he'll show us, he'll teach us. And it's all about, you know, obviously catching men, teaching people this good news of Jesus who loves them, died for them, rose for them, and is with them. So... Yeah, you asked a little question. I gave you a big answer, but it's kind of the word for the day. Life after the letdown. Life has a lot of letdowns. And uh, the way, the truth, the life, Jesus, he always shows up. He's with us. He's risen. It sounds to me like you're saying that Easter doesn't end. Yeah, right. Exactly. And I, I, I think... You know, we do the celebration, but then we go back to living life, you know, and then sometimes we lose sight of Jesus. You know, there's always this, like, when they sometimes, recognize, yeah, when, when they recognize, like most this, times I'd say, yeah. If you read these stories of the Easter account, there's always first, like, when there's fear when when Jesus reveals himself. There's fear. Then there's this recognition. And then there's joy. But some doubt it. There's, there's always all these gamuts of human emotion. But the only thing that ultimately brings peace is recognizing Jesus in the mess. Yeah, that there's still going to be a mess. I think I have always thought that 
finally there'll be some order and the the mess won't exist anymore. But I don't think that's how it works. I think there is order in, in the mess, but you don't get rid of the mess, at least not here or maybe not yeah. ever. Right. And so then it doesn't, it doesn't seem real because there's still a mess. Right. So Christianity must not be real. Jesus isn't the answer because there's still a mess. Right. 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 And that's, um, there's going to be a mess until he comes again. As a matter of fact, it gets more messy. That's what the Bible teaches us. But in it all, the risen Christ is there. And the risen, risen Christ is saving those who will receive him. And, um, and keeping his, you know, caring for them, caring for them in the midst of many wolves and many struggles. Yeah. Yeah. So the peace, so, yeah. So the peace that we're longing for is not a peace. The peace that we're longing for is a peace that is without the mess. And we don't want the peace that Jesus offers because he offers us peace in the mess. Yeah. Wow. That's really good. You know, I never thought of that. The the, the passage in Philippians, you know, four through seven, whatever, where it tells us to rejoice in the Lord always, you know, the Lord is near. He's near. He's, he's risen. He's present. He's He's here. And then it says, don't be anxious, pray. And then it goes into that cadence that you're talking about. And the peace that passes all human understanding will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. So in the midst of the mess, the people who see the risen Lord, live with the risen Lord, recognize the risen Lord, have a peace that the world can't understand because there's still a mess. But we see Jesus. He lives with us and in us. And we know somehow he's going to be with us and get us through. And that, that's where the peace is. And what a comfort that is because now we don't have to wait for everything to work out in order to have peace. We can have peace right now when everything is exploded. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's more valuable to me personally because that then if things are going great, great. If things are going terrible, great. <laughs> Because I got Jesus no matter what, and he's he's got this no matter if I know what I'm doing or not. Nothing matters. Only only the fact that he's present and he's working and I can trust him and he's on my side matters. Let let the rain fall, whatever. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. You know, I and um Not sure, but about 2013, I could go back and look in my journals. I'm not sure exactly when it was. And I'm not sure what it was, but 
I experienced uh, a kind of anxiety where I would, um, my heart rate would increase my, you know, in, in certain situations, like as I was, you know, dealing with certain issues in the mission. And um, I, my heart rate would increase. I'd, I'd feel this weird kind of lightheadedness and um, hot flash kind of thing. And uh, never had experienced that kind of physiological experience with stress before. Context, you know, I, I knew what it was because I had sat in counseling with many, many people which would, who would talk, tell me about that they're having an anxiety attack or whatever. And I had one. I had, it was a weird, it was like a, a month. And I don't know, you know, what the Lord was doing if he was just giving me insight into what these people who I was counseling actually were experiencing. Cause I, it, it, it launched me into having deep compassion for people that battle, you know, like depression and, and anxiety. It launched me into deep, deep compassion for them and prayer. But the Lord healed me of it. He healed me of it. Like it, it was like a month of my life, which is nothing. Cause some people deal with it forever. And, and I don't, you know, I don't know. We pray for them and I, you know, it's always a mystery to me what the Lord Jesus decides to heal and not to heal. But that's up to him. He's Lord. But I was, I was healed of it, but, but the only, during that time, the only way I got relief from anxiety, those ta attacks, was, was to go into my office. I would, it usually happened at work. I would shut the office door. I would get down on my knees. Um, often... To calm myself, I would put the Bible in front of me and read a psalm, just whatever psalm, and pray through it. I would just pray through it. I would, I would focus on that psalm and pray through it. It was amazing how the Lord led me through. But, brother, it was, it was messy. It was in the middle of some kind of a stress that was going on at that time. And... And in the midst of that, God would give me a peace that would pass understanding, and it would pass. And I would, you know, like after about a half hour, I would open the door and go on with the day in weakness, you know, whispering prayers for Jesus to get me through, and he would. Now, that was my experience. So we all have different experiences in Christ. And I, I know that sometimes in situations like that, people go to the emergency room and go to the, you know, what um, to get help. And, and that's great. And I, I think the Lord leads us different ways. And that's great. I, I believe there's a medical aspect of this that needs to be addressed. But in my situation, 
that's how I dealt with it. But in that, Drew, as we talk about this piece in the middle of the mess, it was like Jesus could take me in that moment into the eye of the storm. And you know how they talk about in the tornado, there's this perfect calm. And um, in the middle of the tornado, there's this perfect calm. And and that's what Jesus would do with me, and he would just calm me. And it was just like a, a mother holding a child and holding them and hushing them and telling them it's going to be okay. And I would find this peace. Well, Jesus would give me it. I didn't find anything, so... Yeah, calm in the middle of the storm. Yeah. Peace in the mess. Mm. Yeah, I, I often wonder how people can deal with losing a child or losing a limb or losing a sense. Mm. Yeah. And, you know, I how am I supposed to live the rest of my life blind or deaf? You know, starting, you don't start as a child that way, but you'll lose it halfway through your life. Well, yeah, what are you supposed to do? How are you supposed to go on? You know? And Yeah. <sighs> yeah. Yeah. No, ex exactly. Like, we live in a world with real hurt, physical, emotional, sadly, spiritual abuse that goes on there's wolves and sheep's clothing that's what jesus said it's actually the worst kind of abuse a spiritual leader that misleads people spiritually for their own selfish gain or as a messenger of satan their real hurts physically emotionally spiritually And sometimes people blame it all on the only thing that can help them, the risen Lord Jesus. And Jesus came to save sinners in a broken world. Um, Jesus never, ever denied the brokenness of this world. He, he never, ever denied the battle that goes on to help people who are hurting. And so the one thing that can help people sometimes is the one thing that they push away. They embrace the brokenness, they embrace the hurt, and they push away the Savior. Is it because he doesn't heal them and or he doesn't heal them in the way they want? Or they just don't surrender, they don't accept the healing that he offers or they don't see it as healing or I mean, why would they push it away? I, I think in that little montage of what you just said, it's, it's, it's all of those a little bit. Um, I think the biggest one is probably control. We, we really, as human beings, want to be in control. We wrestle with not being in control. 
and we were we were never created to be in control. Well, then we, we in this world are living backwards. Yeah, yeah, we were created to have a you know a father at the center who loves us and cares for us and guides us. And we submit to that father. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because he's a good father, because he loves us, because, and, but we think we know better. We think that uh, we uh, can do better, maybe. Yeah. Um, yeah. So we, we trust ourselves or we trust those things that we think prop us up, you know, money, jobs. You know, our personalities, our charm, our beauty. Um, we put our trust in those things instead of just this sweet surrender to him and just being his and just, you know, doing the right thing and trusting him instead of trying to manipulate and doing whatever right or wrong, whatever, we need to be in control. It's yeah. funny that I uh, see so often now that repeating theme of <laughs> surrender is so foundational. Our surrendering of our will to to somebody else, to God, um, because we want to be the king. We want to be gods. We want to be in charge. We want to make the decisions. And I don't know, years and years and years ago, after struggling to define what it is exactly that I wanted and going out and getting it and then realizing I'm not satisfied with this thing that I wanted for so long. And now I have it. I've realized that I don't know what I want. Yeah. And I think surrendering to that has been a stepping stone to you mean there's somebody else that, that knows what I want? <laughs> Can I yeah. trust them to provide what I need, what I really want, even though I don't know that I want it yet? And and yeah. that's too big for me to think about. So I just say, okay, God, you do whatever, you know, whatever you do, and I'll just nod my head and go along with it. Yeah, that's so good, Drew. Because, you know, it's like this verse i've medis- meditated on this verse so many times psalm 37 4 delight yourself in the lord and he will give you the desires of your heart and i i meditated on that verse like lord i don't at this moment i i, I don't even know what the desires of my heart are you know they're all over the place but i know you know you are the maker you made me. You know me better than me. Like, you know me better than me. You know what you made me for. And my job is just to delight in you and let you give me what I really desire, what I'm really made for. Um, and ultimately, it's, it's to give him glory, but, you know, that has shape to it. And there's shape to it. I want to dial back on what something you just said that just tripped something in my heart that I'd love to talk about. So in your song, Drew, 
in, in your song Surrender, you, you have this recurring refrain, surrender my fears. You know, I, I think we want to be in control and the why of we want to be in control is often fear, fear or shame, right? We talk about that. We want to be in control because of fear or shame. So in, uh, and it's so relatable to any relationship, could be husbands or wives, but in Grand Rapids right now, we have a police officer who just shot a young man and killed him. And we've all been um, able to see the videos of this happen um, and make our own judgments of who was right or who was wrong. And as I look at it, it's just so sad. It's so sad and it's so broken what happened. And I see, you know, sides, you know, like people taking sides. I, I see it becoming politicized. And, and you know, we, we do that in our relationships too with husband and wife. You know, in, in our fears, we justify ourselves. We, we, we start bunkering up and protecting ourselves. And in our mind, we create the narrative. And in the bottom of it, as I look at this video, there were two people that were afraid. There was a police officer that was afraid. There was a young man that was afraid. Um, and all of this is related to, you know, all kinds of history on both sides and um, prejudice, I'm sure. Like we're all, none of us are perfect. Even the best of us has prejudgments about people and about things. That's what prejudice is, prejudgment. And I see as this unraveled just so much fear so much you know desire to be in control and then you know a wrestle and then i i think really uh in that um i really because of the misunderstandings going on tragic mistake made by a very young christian police officer because of the fear and he shot the man. And I don't think that that should have happened. Um, and uh, the young man, because he was scared, was resisting and scared that that shouldn't have happened, but it, 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 it probably didn't, it didn't deserve what happened, but it happened. And it's just the classic example of what happens when, we wrestle in our fears 
and we don't have this surrender mentality to the one in control. The father, the father, and just let, let him guide the situation and be judge over all in the situation and just being surrendered to him. But the, this is an imperfect world. We just don't, we're imperfect people in an imperfect world and that's not the way it works in heaven and be totally different. And as a matter of fact, I don't, I don't know that there's going to be police officers or pastors <laughs> in heaven because we're all going to, you know, know the Lord. Um, we're all, all going to have knowledge of the Lord, like the water covers the sea, you know, and um, we're going to do the right thing. We're going to love perfectly. But here we don't. And that surrender thing, this, like, this is a scenario of how that ends up when we want to be in control and we fight for control. It's tragic. I've seen it over and over in the wives of husbands and wives, um, uh, the lives of Jesus Church people and um, you know leadership or people and pastor or pastors or whatever, politics. You know, sides are taken because of fears of being, you know, that of losing control. Sad, so sad, but it never leads to a good place. Yeah, that's the reason why that's not an answer because it doesn't ever lead to a good place when you. It doesn't make sense that when you when you don't direct it yourself, how could that ever lead to anywhere? Yeah, 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 yeah. Well, see, that's the thing. We think if well, and that's that's you know the answer to that, Drew, is it does lead somewhere. We just need to surrender to the right one, and that's why you know Jesus said, "Follow me." And in essence, that's what the Christian says. You know, Jesus is my Lord. Jesus is my Lord and Savior. But Lord means we surrender to his lordship, his leadership. His, he's the master, we're the servant. We, we surrender. And so it does lead somewhere. It leads in the way of love. See, if you would take that scenario, which I just told you, and, it, you know, we live in an imperfect world. We're imperfect people. Even as believers, we're, we're st we still wrestle with sinners. There's still the old Adam we're wrestling with every day, even though we're brand new and forgiven and pure before God. But if, if we could, you know, if you take those scenarios and say, nope, if both people are surrendered completely to Jesus and both people are listening to him who says, follow me. And both people, instead of being filled with fear and self-protection are trusting him that gets resolved totally different than, than the outcome. But instead of, you know, instead of people, you know, you know, and I, I know we live in the world, so this doesn't happen. And this is a, a public thing, a world thing, not a kingdom thing. And so in the, in the world, what we see right now is people vying for control. 
people wanting to be the one with the power instead of surrendering everything to God who, who judges everything perfectly and is just and being surrendered to him and seeking how, you know, to, 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 to move forward the way he would lead us forward, which is always the way of love. So it, it does, it does have a path it and does. it does go somewhere. It goes a far better place. I think it's easier to see how things outside ourselves distract us. Maybe is not the right word, but we get misled. We get maybe misled is the right, is a better word. We get misled by the things around us, by the things that we desire, the things that we see or the things that we pursue. But really, and those are visible so we can see them, but really what's the common denominator in the things that we want? It's we. Yeah. And it surprises me how we are our real enemy, that the invisibleness is what we really got to watch out for because it's not the things that we want or the things that we see or the things that we pursue. It's the fact that we are instigating the pursuit because we want to. Yeah. And that is the real tricky part because we don't see ourselves. You can't see the forest for the trees. Mm. We don't, we don't. Yes. Yes. Yeah. And if we could, if we could learn to nip that in the bud, if we could learn to control ourselves, if we could learn to, my son was telling me, trying to explain this to me, that if we could control ourselves enough to not be distracted, but turn it all over to Christ so that he could control us, <laughs> then we wouldn't have to be in control anymore. Yeah, and I wonder, I wonder if it's more... You know, there's this thing in the world called the thoughtfulness, and that's the role that people are looking at meditation as, like this peace for self. And I wonder if it should be that there's not like as much thinking of self, centering of self. I wonder if it's not thoughtlessness, but thinking about Godness. Mm -hmm. That God is at the center. Be because, like, what happens, Drew, is that, like, when we want, we do, you know, want to be better people. We want, we do want to do the right thing. But when we're thinking about ourselves, all we're worried about is failure. And when we think about God, there is no failure in him. He's just this perfect love. And instead of living afraid, we live fearlessly because we're playing in his presence. And there's no fear in his love. And and I just I just think too often when we get we just, you know, people can get really like OCD about the sin in their own heart. And I'm not saying that we shouldn't have times of personal reflection and repentance and, 
you know, I pray that prayer, you know, search my heart, oh God, show me my sins that I might confess them to you. I think there's those times, but I think we need to move past that to just focusing on the Lord and the joy of being his forgiven child and the joy of living in his presence and the joy of that he made me, you know, for his purposes. And he's got something for me to do today and I'm going to do it the best I can. And he smiles at me and loves me and he, 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 he. Instead of me, 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 me. Because if we focus on me, if you get out that magnifying glass, if you look carefully in the mirror, you're going to see flaw after flaw after flaw. But if we focus on him, there's just beauty. And uh, there's just love. I just think that's part of it. We put ourselves at the center and we're not. He's at the center. So we're not supposed to live there, or we're not supposed to live here. We're not, we're not supposed to live under our own microscope. That's yeah. pharisaical. That didn't work. Yeah, we're not supposed to live with us, in us, at, as yeah. us as the center. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, him at the center. And in him, there's perfect love and perfect joy. So don't dwell on us. We need to... Look at us once in a while, but we're not supposed to live there. We're supposed to live with him. Yeah. Yeah. In your presence, there is joy. In your presence, there is joy. Hey, brother, what a great conversation. My grandkids are here for a second more. I just got home. I'm talking to you in the car, and I want to go and say hi to them because their mom just got here to pick them up. So I want (laughs) to say hi before they take off. All right, Jim. Thanks for the talk today. I love you. Yeah, I love you. Have a great weekend. Have have a, a blast with your family and um, just enjoying him. Yeah, you too. All right. Love you. Bye. Bye. No matter what we end up talking about when we get together, discovering truths, applying truth to life, figuring out how life experiences are really growing us, and though we might have challenged each other, maybe said some sad things. We always seem to walk away from the conversations encouraged because of the fellowship we've shared. Living loved by God, you know, that's about sharing the life God has given us with him. Not just knowing about him in our minds, but also living in a real-time relationship with God in our five senses. When you share life with God, though you may still feel alone, you never really are. You are not alone in your experiences, not alone in your fears. Take this seriously, Jesus says, when two of you get together on anything at all on earth and make a prayer of it, my Father in heaven goes into action. And when two or three of you are together because of me, you can be sure that I'll be there. We have an advocate in Jesus, and his spirit is together with us right now. We call this the living loved life because being confused, asking questions, finding some answers, but not every answer, and knowing we're not alone is what living loved by God is all about. You're very welcome to walk with us again anytime, because it can be in the walking out of life together. The struggle, the questioning, the tripping up, the falling down. Celebrating each other's victories, sharing each other's joys, sitting with each other in the bomb crater, crying with one another in the loss. That life and answers can still sometimes be found, and is all a part of living loved by God. Join us in the living loved life.